So let me just um, start the conversation where I think it should be started because some of the stuff intrigues me, and some okay. of it I have a lot of questions about. And some of and I think you can understand I have some apprehensions about as well. But I don't. Of course. I'm not coming with any kind of angry agenda. I'm, it's mostly out of curiosity. So let me okay. start actually about you. As I okay. understand it, you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu, correct? I am, yeah. Tell me about, um, tell me about I, your background in MMA and in jiu-jitsu specifically. So I began in 1997, um, and I trained with a, a, a guy that had trained in rings, Japan. Um, and I, I was just I was kind of a pro wrestling fan. I got intrigued with the UFC and you know in the early stages and so forth. So I you know I worked with a guy there. I read, you know eventually uh, in the in the mid 90s, late 90s, uh, went to train with Marco Huas, who was you know the the old school, the king of the streets, you know old UFC champ. And um, and then you know, uh, you know began to be, as a competitor in mixed martial arts and in, um, and in grappling. Uh, and you know went on to to you know, start coaching. Um, I was a head grappling coach <clears throat> for upstate karate in South Carolina. I worked with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for about three years. Um, you know, I've worked with, uh, you know, uh, UFC fighter, Sean Spencer, uh, Sarah McMahon recently, I, I did some work with her, um, you know, uh, and so, you know, I, you know, I, I'm ongoing, you know, uh, I own a, a gym and, and I work with, you know, uh, MMA fighters daily. Uh, but also, uh, you know, uh, I'm sort of like the, the guy that started, you know, in a restaurant washing dishes and moved up through every job in the, in the house. And, uh, you know, eventually, I, you know, I own my own restaurant. So I've promoted events, uh, 20 plus MMA and, and kickboxing events even before this. And, uh, and I went on to do a, um, a TV show, uh, that was on, uh, fight now TV that was in Canada. Uh, and, um, and kind of went over all over the world kind of doing like the, the Anthony boarding kind of, you know, uh, getting flavor of the different regions. And, you know, so we, we traveled to Australia. We, I've been to Monaco and Romania and the UK and, you know, and had, you know, kind of picked out these different places. And, and when, when I was there, you know, that's when I came across hip show that was going on in Russia. And then that sort of started my interest more than anything. I was intrigued by it. And, you know, and then from there, the, the team MMA, uh, started to, to unfold. So, uh, and, you know, and I still, I do, you know, color commentary for three events right now. And so I stay really busy doing that. So I'm really in tune, you know, with what's going on in mixed martial arts. And of course I watch the UFC and Bellator and, and all the top stuff as well. Hmm. Okay, so this is really an interesting thing. So your discovery of the team concept came as a consequence of being involved in various other positions, including promoting through the course of your career. Can you pinpoint like a, a relative date about when you think that might have happened? For the, the team, when, when I first was... Encountered it, yeah, I should say. Early 2013. And, uh, and this was overseas, I'm assuming. Like it, and, and just to clarify, there are... Let me actually take a, let me take a step back for just a second. Sure. Um, you, before this conversation uh, was started recording, you had noted that there are actually different branches of the team MMA concept. Some I've seen five on five in Russia, but the one you do is different. Like, what can you for someone who might ask you, what is the history of team MMA? Not so much the brand you promote, but the that activity generally. What could you tell them? So. The, the first brand that I came in contact with was was Hip Show in Russia, and it was wild. It had a there was a, a viral video that came out 
where it, it was basically two-on-two MMA fighting in an obstacle course. It's huge, uh, caged-in area, uh, 20 um, – I'm sorry, 40 feet by 40 feet. It's huge. And so the fighters would climb up onto obstacles. But the, the big viral video was, was one fighter um, double-legged uh, another fighter off of this huge obstacle, and they hit down on the ground. And so people went nuts. And they were streaming it on uh, YouTube, live on YouTube at the time. And that's where we sort of kind of got wind of it. We did a little, uh, a little feature on it. And it was, you know, again, it was more of shock factor than anything. And when we got in touch with the owners, we began, um, to, uh, we, we worked out a a deal with them and and then we started, uh, I started doing commentary, uh, like English commentary over the Russian, uh, you know, uh, over the Russian commentators. And we eventually brought it to, uh, access TV for like a special, like one night, uh, one hour special and kind of brought it here. Uh, and that was in, uh, I believe March of 2013, uh, no, 2014. And after that, um, we started looking into what it would take to bring it here. Uh, obviously there were a lot of things that were going on in Russia with that promotion that just wouldn't fly here. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be involved with, you know, as far as, you know, you know, super, super dangerous type stuff. And so, uh, that's that's sort of where it started. The the five on five crazy stuff uh, in Poland, um, it, it actually has no affiliation with us whatsoever. And I, I you know I've encountered some of the guys that competed here that, from America that went over there. We actually demonstrated uh, and set up our big cage at the Arnold Classic a few years back, and they were actually there, kind of representing their product as well. Uh, but, 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 you know, with that product, you know, I, I won't bash any, anything, but you know, it, it's sort of just, it was not a viable, even aside from the danger, it's not a viable, um, type of event simply because you've got 10 competitors, um, that are, you know, competing in, in, in one match. If once one guy sort of falters in that situation where it's just a wide open area, it goes like a chain of events, one after another, and, and typically you'll see one of those matches end in about a minute and a half. And um, you know it, that's you know you think that's almost uh, you know half of a, a roster for a mixed martial arts fight card. You know, so if you're thinking even as a as a business uh, you know man, if you're going to even have three or four of those those matches on one on one event, you know, one show, then it's, it's, you know, it's not economically viable, you know? So, uh, but anyway, getting back to where it sort of evolved from, um, we, we began, um, kind of recrafting the rules. And this was something that, you know, we, we, you know, I, I consulted with, with some, uh, some of the more respected referees, uh, some of the, the commissions that were surrounding. And what we did was, Obviously, for a first event, uh, we we scheduled that for August of 2014. Uh, you know, there there are very you know few uh, commissions, if any, that we're going to you know just open the doors and let us do something crazy like that. And so, uh, we essentially held an amateur um, uh, event in Virginia. At the time, it was 100% legal to hold unsanctioned events. 
you know, which we had no choice, but it, and it's always, you know, a risky deal, but we held the event. Of course, we um, held it under the standards of all of the, the previous mixed martial arts and kickboxing events that I held under the standards of Tennessee, uh, which is, you know, what I worked with the most. I actually was part of the lobbying process to get Tennessee legalized here, you know, mixed martial arts legalized in Tennessee. Uh, and I held the first event, uh, sanctioned event in Tennessee uh, in 2008. So, you know, I was, you know, I, I was in really close contact with a lot of the commissions and so forth. And so I invited all of the surrounding commissions uh, in the states uh, surrounding our area. Uh, we had several show up, uh, particularly South Carolina. Uh, we held the event without incident. Um, and uh, I, and so we got into talks. Can I interrupt yeah. for just a second? What city was this in? This was in Bristol, Virginia. Okay. So it was right over the state line of yep. uh, where we live. So we're in the Tri-Cities region. And um, so we held the event. It, it went over, you know, really well. It was, uh, you know, uh, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in person since I saw my first mixed martial arts event, you know, decades before. And um, and, and it started to evolve from there. We, uh, for our next event, you know, we I, I started working with the, the State Athletic Commission in, in South Carolina and speaking with them and working with them. Uh, in uh, 2015, we scheduled, uh, September 2015, we scheduled our first sanctioned event to, to take place in South Carolina. Right before that, I went to um, the ABC National Convention in San Diego, uh, that year, and I presented this in front of all of the the commissioners uh, there, which was, you know, I mean, I had to. <laughs> it was a uh, it, it was a bold move, you know, because uh, you know they were all there. Of course, I, I've known Andy Foster for a lot of years. He's uh, he's very prominent there with with the ABC and so forth. Uh, I actually had a fighter that fought against him years ago in Georgia, so uh, I knew him. Uh, so I was able to present it, uh, answer some questions about what was going on. Um, I met John McCarthy there. Uh, but we just spoke briefly and he actually left before my presentation. Uh, but then I spoke with him a little bit later on his podcast with Sean Wheelock, the let's get it on podcast. And, uh, he expressed some concerns. Uh, one thing is when, uh, at that point it was, uh, the event was called arena combat. And that was essentially the evolution from the, the Russian event, which was hip show to, you know, the American event that, you know, that we held there in, in Bristol and it was called arena combat. And uh, it still had some of the obstacles. Uh, John McCarthy, he definitely um, uh, took exception to, you know, some the elevated obstacles. That, that was one thing that, that a lot of people had concerns with. Uh, just because when, you know, uh, you, you take cheerleading, uh, competitive cheerleading in high school, that's the number one cause of, of injury and death. Uh, and it has to do with, with falls, accidental falls. So with guys up on, on these obstacles and so forth, it was kind of uh, – that was, that was the big controversy. And so, um, you know, we, we ended up holding the event. Uh, I, of course, I, I continued to work with with the athletic commission. I attended um, most of their meetings throughout the year over the last three years, and we just continued to cultivate and make it into the sport that uh, we just held the event January twenty first, um, and, uh, and again in Myrtle Beach, and we rebranded it Team MMA Battle. And uh, the reason we did that is because we did we had a, a 
uh, a number of changes, uh, safety protocol. Um, you know, essentially, we feel it's the final product, not only in safety, but also it's a great spectator sport because, um, it, you know, we've actually made a, a few tweaks regarding, um, you know, uh, when, when you watch this, you want to see the team interactions. We, you know, you see uh, the fast breaks and the double teams. You also see, I don't know if you watched the, the most recent video, but, you know, you see the dog pile, uh, you know, there and you'll see a guy, you know, come along and snatch one guy off and throw him in a triangle choke. You know, you get to see all of these mixed martial arts type exchanges, um, but you see them in a, it's sort of in a, in a new format. It's, just, it's, it's expanding on what mixed martial arts. Um, okay. so, so, let me, so let me stop you there because I want to I want to parse out some of these things for a little sure. more exploratory purposes. Number one, let me um, let me start here. What sort of fighters compete on this show? Like, how, how do they come to you? Do you go to them? Is there a profile of a certain kind of guy you're looking for? Give me a sense of who's competing on these shows. So we have uh, that's you know for the last three years we have a roster that that began developing in for our first event in 2014, and that's one thing about this is that it's really there's a shock factor out there because a lot of people hadn't seen it just like you when you first time you saw UFC in 1993, there was a shock factor if you haven't seen it before automatically and you're not familiar with it you're gonna you know it's it's automatically gonna appear more dangerous, um, so you know if, but but you know we all of our competitors had been you know, for our first event had been previously mixed martial arts competitors. It was an all amateur event though. So it was, you know, but it was good, solid seasoned amateurs. Um, as the time evolved, uh, you know, as, as time went on, the, the fighters that were in that first roster continued to train hard. And so when we held our second and our third, we actually, our, our featherweight champions now are, uh, have competed in all three of the previous events and they've been training for the three years that they have gone on, uh, you know, since the, the first event they've trained continuously, you know, so, uh, we have a lot of guys that are very seasoned in how to use the team aspect and, and, you know, and how to, to win in it. Um, but then we also have some guys like for our second event, you know, we had a uh, former UFC and Bellator, um, uh, competitors, Rodney Wallace, who had competed all over the world. He actually competed in KSW and Poland as well. And, and some, you know, huge shows, uh, and then uh, Adam Primetime Townsend, uh, who was just a you know made made some waves on that last LFA card. Uh, he competed with us, um, so you know we we have some some really uh, top tier tier competition. But not only you know recognized in mixed martial arts, but guys that we've developed uh, in our own style. Over uh, the years. Wh- what sort of pay do you guys offer? The pays the pay depends. And, you know, we still do have an amateur side of our card, just like in mixed martial arts. We are a grassroots promotion at this point. So, you know, our pay, you know, again, uh, it, it depends on, uh, you know, the, the situation. I, we, you know, our, our main event for our last, uh, our last show in, in Myrtle Beach, uh, we used um, Amos Collins and Brandon Bashaw. They're called the Warrior Brigade, and they're very uh, popular in the region. And, uh, and their draw was very good, and, and they were paid very well um, for their work. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, it, it just, uh, you know, our pay scale ranges, uh, but it's, it's competitive with, uh, you know, regional to, you know, um, upper regional uh, MMA. Okay, so anywhere from hundreds to potentially thousands, in certain cases, right. maybe five, six figures, not six, but five figures, maybe? Um, we, are, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll say that our, our main event, uh, the money they got, I don't know that they saw, 
I mean, they 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 were up in the into the they they weren't to the ten thousand mark, but they were they they made a pretty good uh, pull. But again, that that's because of their draw, and sure. that, they know that's something too. I work you know in mixed martial arts very very closely. I work with Valor Fights, Next Level Fight Club, you know, a lot of of regional based promotions that are making a rise, and a lot of that has to do with. Um, uh, the fact that that these you know that, that a solid promoter is able to put together a grassroots card and make it viable, otherwise you don't exist at all. You know, if you don't have some kind of corporate funding and whatnot. So, um, you know, I'm very privy to how to 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 work with that, but to make sure that when the guys deliver, that they make the money that they're that they're working for. I think one of the most interesting parts about what you're trying to do is the state sanctioning, right? Like, mm-hmm. let me just ask this plainly: Why can't you just go and promote shows? Without state sanction, uh, because it, it, actually, you know, you know what? Let me let me. St- I have to ask this a different way because this will lead to the state sanctioning question. Okay. What is what you're doing? And here's what I mean: It's not exactly clear to me that it is MMA. Maybe it's not even intended to be MMA. In other words, when I watch it, you can certainly see MMA in it, but it's it's clearly more than that, or it's clearly different from that. It, it looks like I'm watching something that's not MMA, that guys use MMA in it to benefit themselves. Almost like if I watch the, the movie John Wick. I mean, this is clearly a cinematic movie where everything is rehearsed, but he's throwing triangle chokes on these guys, and he's hitting Harai Goshis or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. If I'm asking you what is Team Battle MMA, is it MMA or is it something else? <clears throat> so it, it, it depends on who, who you speak with. I mean, it, it's a sport. And, you know, as far as South Carolina is concerned, and there, there was a debate there, uh, you know, when, when I when I last spoke with John McCarthy, that I had a little interaction with him a few weeks back. And essentially, when I spoke with him in 2015 on his podcast, he made some, you know, suggestions and things like that, things that I took to heart because I have a lot of respect for the guy. Since then, you know, it's been almost two years, been more than two years uh, he really hasn't visited any of that, you know. And so when when he reads Team MMA Battle, and then we have these rules, like for instance, we only allow ten seconds on the ground after a takedown. Why do, why do we only allow ten seconds? Because we want the people to see the team interaction of the sport. We don't want we don't nec- you know we don't want to see you know two guys grappling over here and then you know two guys grappling twenty feet away from him over on the other side of the room and and that be the you know the gist of what we're watching. We want to see those the, the things you saw in the highlight where guys are working cooperatively and then they're using mixed martial arts. So your question was, you know, is it MMA? It depends on the state. In South Carolina, it is sanctioned as MMA, uh, as a as a subcategory of MMA, because by law, everything, you know, based with striking and grappling and, and it, all of these things put together, it's under that broad headline. So it's sort of like you've got a cat. Well, there are lions, there are tigers, there are bobcats and alley cats and all different types of cat, but they're all cats. And so the way that South Carolina observes it is that it is a faction of MMA. Essentially, I could have gone to a lot of states that don't sanction. I could have gone to you know Mexico and do it, really, if I wanted to. This is the issue with that, though. Having come up in the mixed martial arts and, and in combat sports for 20 years, I want to create a viable product that has the ability eventually to go everywhere, just like the UFC worked very hard to get sanctioning. So, you know, it, it, I want to, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go to a state and put on a show. And firstly, 
uh, not have, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of liability when you hold an unsanctioned show. You saw this with Duke Rufus, you know, in this this kickboxing event that he held. It's 100 percent legal. But if you're not sanctioned and you do anything wrong, you have nobody to kind of. You know, to buffer that, and that's what the state sanctioning, you know, commissions aside from the safety and so forth, that's what they're there for. So I wouldn't want to a, you know, you know, have a long-standing sport that wasn't respected as a as a sanctioned event. But but also, you go in and you hold an event in one of these locations, and even if it's legal, if that commission or or someone you know even locally sees that it, it's, it could be a danger something dangerous, and they start reporting on it, then the commissions will immediately go in there and do an emergency meeting, and they'll shut it down anyway. You know, so it's better to go to commission first, you know, with your project and start to develop it and do it the right way. You know, because. If you're doing it the right way, how can anybody really slight you? You know, I mean, it's it's. Um, I, I was raised to be, you know, a creative-minded individual. I was also raised to, you know, if if you if you uh, believe in something, to to work hard for it and attain it, but attain it the right way. So your answer is that you know, uh, in the state of Mississippi, where we also uh, have uh, licensing and and uh, are sanctioned, it is viewed as its own sport. Um, it, it's it's team MMA sport. Um, are there in other South sta- Carolina? Uh, let me ask you: Are there states you've gone to that have just said no? We're not sanctioning this. Well, yeah, I mean, when I was in front of this, the uh, the ABC board, they said, "Well, we're going to have to. <laughs> we're not going to do anything with you right now. Obviously, we're going to have to to view it." Some of them said, "No, I'll never do it." Of course, but usually, for the most part, they're like, "Well, we just want to see more. We want we're we're going to be you know watching what you're doing." Uh, Tennessee, right now, I'm speaking with Tennessee. I'm speaking with Kentucky. Uh, some commission you know in their actual bylaws the original because herein lies another issue is that if the rules of MMA or combat sports are written a certain way then it's impossible to amend the, the rules of MMA to include our sports. It could be because of the size of our cage it could be you know certain um, requirements that that deem it as MMA and and allow it to be sanctioned. Otherwise, you have to go back into legislation and create a new sport or amend, you know, officially in legislation, um, a lot of how, you know, of the protocol and so forth, if that makes sense. Sure, it does. Um, Okay, this is kind of interesting. Um, This is a great discussion. What kind of changes have you made to make it palatable to state athletic commissions? I know you alluded to some of them earlier, about you can't have this like, these tackles off of the elevated surfaces. I guess speak to me about the surfaces themselves, and then also if you can, what changes have commissions been really adamant about to make this more palatable to them? So the um, uh, as far as the the elevated obstacles, that that would be the biggest change that we've made, and we actually had some elevated obstacles in our first sanction event. They weren't that high. Uh, we never had an incident where there was, a, you know, a major injury due to it. But you know, you can watch and you can you can always see that certain things could pot- potentially arise, and you've got to obviously trouble shoot those things before it comes to light. You know, you, you need to be proactive there. So uh, that was the big thing. You know, all of our we still have three little. Uh, obstacle areas in our event and they they're actually in one side of the area and they become live uh, during uh, periods of the match and essentially they're bonus points you know so if um, not only do you stand in the middle of of the ring and and you exchange you know two-on-two and team-based fighting um, 
you know, at, at periods in the match, one of the obstacles, which is a ground-based area that's sort of like built up, like which one that we call the valley, where you stand in in between two sloped areas, and you have to hold that area standing uh, for ten seconds without being pulled out or taken down, and then you'll you'll score some basic bonus points, nothing like scoring in actual combat, but just something extra to create a, a vision of, um, of scenarios almost. And so in other words, two, you know, four guys fighting on the street is one thing Four guys fighting in an alley in a close quarters is something different or in a house or in, in, a, in certain areas. So we've created these little areas to kind of give the viewer a chance to see, well, what if they were standing here? What if they weren't in just a wide open area? So it starts to open the doors, you know, for other um, uh, interactions and things like that. You know, so that was that was the big thing is that we we took all of our obstacles and we took them down to floor base. So nobody has a chance of of getting thrown off of something and hurting themselves that way. Um Obviously, you know, just the idea of, of it being team based was concerning, has always been concerning, you know, to to the commissions because we've never seen it before. The big thing is that we uh, we implement three referees uh, during, you know, live inside the event to oversee, you know, each one of the groups, essentially. And then we have one head referee, uh, again, to to make sure that that things are, uh, you know, are, are overseen well. And um Th- essentially, that those are the biggest changes. You know, implementing a very strict rule set. How um, it, it was a little hard to follow in Russia. You know, the stuff we brought over here and aired on Axis TV is a little hard to follow. It was based a little bit different, and so you know, as, again, we we cleaned things up and um, we made it work. What sort of injuries have you guys had? All basic type injuries you would see normally in mixed martial arts. We've had. Um, you know, we've had some, uh, you know, we had one guy that hurt his shoulder a little bit, but again, this is a guy that never even climbed up onto one of the obstacles. Uh, we had one guy who, um, uh, we've had a few knockouts, but, um, again, it's never been anything where, you know, a guy's fallen off of of an obstacle or whatever. It's always something you would see in standard MMA, broken noses, um, you know, uh, you know, knockouts and, and, and so forth. Okay, so nothing meaningfully different than what we understand the injuries to be commonly in mixed martial arts. Absolutely, and and like I said, we, there are points in, in our match where it could it could turn out to be a one on one portion where you know one guy's been eliminated, the other guy's been eliminated. Now it goes to a one on one situation, and in in that case, you know it, th- those were actually often the times where we've seen injuries where the guys are just going at it one-on-one you know so uh typically not the two-on-two and you know it's just like in in unified rules there's there's no hitting to the back of the head there's no uh you know everything that would be you know legal in in mixed martial arts or illegal a foul it would be a foul in 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 team-based martial arts as well and from what i've seen from the footage they have to wear headgear they wear headgear and i'll tell you the the biggest part of that has to do with the, the officials being able to and, and the scorekeepers being able to tell the teams apart, you know, and I mean, there's always been this big debate that that the headgear doesn't provide any protection. Uh, it does help with cuts. And that's that's a good thing. Um, whether you believe that the headgear protects you from, you know, overall, you know, head trauma, um, it does give you a sense of security. And I think it's, it's as far as uh, it, it makes it appear more of a sport. 
And, uh, you know, and it, it's, you know, for people watching from outside, but, you know, it may give the appearance that it's less brutal, um, you know, because we're giving them a lot to look at um, right out of the gate, you know. So if they've never seen it before, they automatically think, I don't understand it. So it's really fast. It's much faster than standard MMA. And um, and so how could these guys not be in, in utter danger, you know. And so that just uh, – that was something that the, you know, the original hip show did. And that's something that we, you know, with the commission, we maintained and uh, with with the state of South Carolina. So you've noticed this, and we mentioned Big John McCarthy, who, of course, is an esteemed uh, referee and has done some judging as well, been around forever. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to characterize his position, but certainly in talking to other folks in the MMA industry, look, some are very curious about what you're doing, and this is no secret. Some of which you get is, when they watch it, is um, hostility. I'm more interested in the second part of that. Why do you think there is hostility to the kind of product you're offering in certain cases? Well, I think that some people are um, are really in tune with, you know, are really uh, fanatics for mixed martial arts. John McCarthy, particularly, you know, he was involved in a, in a lot of the uh, the legislation and in gaining approval for for MMA. When whenever the UFC had their their big push, he was there speaking and learning, and so he loves MMA. You know, and, and a lot of people love MMA as a sport, and they they think that that anything that that kind of steps on its toes or, or doesn't you know follow the the same guidelines and, and structure and i don't mean by safety but more so just you know it they don't want to you know see the sport um maybe uh uh the image hurt you know um that being said you know um that was their baby you know this is my baby and uh, and, and there are a lot of people that are involved in this that it's their baby too you know and so i think that it, it's the same i was involved very, very closely, as I mentioned, in in sanctioning, gaining sanctioning here in Tennessee, uh, something that you know was never a big push. It was actually you know by the UFC. It was it was Strike Force really that that helped a lot. You know them coming here for the for their first event um, back in the day that kind of helped lift that up. You know, so it uh, w- there wasn't always a, a big push. You know, for you know in, in other regions for growth of MMA itself. I was involved with that. I know how it is. I heard what the boxing people always said about it. They said it was a blood sport, cockfighting and, and all that other stuff. The uh, same stuff I hear about my sport now, you know, about team MMA. So I, I you know, it, it's something different. I think that people are going to be skeptical because it's, um, you know, they, they don't know if, if the people that are involved are, are putting the time and the work into to ensure that it's safe and that it's going to be a viable sport. Uh, I'm here to tell you that, you know, putting the last five years of, of my life into this and dedicating to it, that it most definitely is. It's a it's it's a viable sport. It's exciting. The fighters all love it uh, from start to finish. And the fans, when they're in, in attendance, they are insane i mean they've you know it, it, like you see their jaws drop to the floor because they can't believe that they're watching what they're watching so you know it, it's um my goal is to make a faster more complete sport uh that people have never seen before and on top of that you know 
you know, there's going to be an appearance of, of danger while all the while it's heavily regulated and, and very safe, you know, for a combat sport. You know, I mean, there's a lot of sports out there, um, you know, football, auto racing, all those sports people die in, you know, MMA, people die in it. And, you know, just, you know, uh, we, we talk about the, the steroid scandals and the, the weight cutting scandals and the domestic abuse, you know, the war machine uh, trial that was just on MMA. They have a lot of of um of black marks against them you know right now um a man who is doing things the right way setting out to get this sanctioned with with state athletic commissions uh and grow the sport i'm i'm not somebody to be looking you know looked at and and uh and be put down if i'm doing it the right way there are a lot of other black marks on mma that uh you can look towards before me i mean my sort of view on it is um I don't know that I enjoy it. I don't know that it's for me, but I find that the arguments against it uh, are especially weak, right? It's one thing to say, maybe it's for me, maybe it's not for me, but should it be allowed? Um, I don't, it's not clear to me what argument someone could make to not allow it. I mean, the state regulators might have their own various points of contention and that you can tackle that state by state. It just seems to me a lot of MMA fans, I'm not speaking again about different regulators who might have issues, I'm, I'm literally speaking about the fan base. They, it's, again, do I, do I enjoy Team MMA Battle? I don't, I don't think so, but the evolution of combat sports is not going to stop, right? It's going to keep going. People like you are going to push the envelope, come up with ideas, innovate them, iterate them, and here we go. Do you find that there's a contingent of, of the MMA community that sort of believed that MMA itself was the end of combat sports evolution? Like that was the ultimate, we figured it out, there's no more need to keep trying? I think the people that, that feel that way weren't around in the 90s. You know, these are the guys that came along when the Ultimate Fighter, you know, had the big boom and everything got super popular, you know, for the most part. You know, it's um, it, it's... MMA, you know, which is, you know, you go back to Bruce Lee and his idea about how martial arts, you know, that's where it all rooted from, you know, because when when art did the, you know, it's boxing versus karate versus, you know, that's all game of death stuff, you know, and the idea that that martial arts should be all, you know, included and you should see, you know, take the best of, of everything. Well, the, the whole concept of mixed martial arts is that it should evolve. And so. You know, you get a sport and, and that sport is viable, just like boxing was viable before. And so if, you know, if you like mixed martial arts, and I love mixed martial arts, man. I mean, it's my life. I've made my living. I, I make my full-time living off of combat sports. And uh, and I have for 20 years. Um, but, you know, there there's all also, you know, uh, a, a sect of people that want to see more. They want to see, you know, extensions and, and advancements and, um, you know, see where, you know, different scenarios, you know, life uh, really, uh, I'm sorry, art imitates life, you know, a real fight, you know, in, in a situation where you and your buddy come out of a bar or let's say two women or one woman is attacked and maybe she has to survive for a period of time against two people, even just surviving. And we, we train these concepts in our gyms, you know, the military has trained it, police training, we, you know, we've worked with police officers as well. All of these scenarios are, you know, art imitating situations you would see in real life. So when you see it inside the cage, you know, it, it makes sense. 
And and that's the thing is, you know, the, the thing with commissions is that you're going to have a, um, a viable, um, you know, sport whenever not only is it safe, but it's also, you know, lucrative. And that's something that you have to battle against as well. You've got to make sure that if they're going to put all of these officials in place and they're going to do all of this work and they're going to meet with you and they're going to that in the end that it's going to be viable. And so it's it's liability and it's viability. And um, I think when it comes to the fans, you know, if the fans are against it, then those fans shouldn't watch it, you know, probably until it gets super popular. And then when it gets super popular, everybody's going to have always loved it. And they've always going to think it was great, just like mixed martial arts. So, uh, and you know, and that's the thing too, you know, um, if you take some time and you watch it, um, you know, if you're a true enthusiast of combat sports, you're going to see some stuff, even if, if it's not something that you follow, because it's not as developed as MMA. You know, there we don't have events every, you know, weekend like mixed martial arts does. But if you watch it and you see, you know, how can you, you know, see a dog, you know, they've got a dog pile and you see a guy, you know, t- you know run across the top of it, tight waist a guy off and, and throw him into a triangle choke. You know, you see uh, a WWE style clothesline, which you could never see in standard MMA because nobody is able to, to get a stride going enough, you know, in, in a cage and, and redirect somebody. But you see it and you're like, man, that looked like Barry Windham throwing a freaking lariat on somebody. You see something that you've never seen before. You see d- new options. It's exciting. There's only so much you can do with with, with MMA, and sometimes you want to see something different. And uh, that's what I say to the fans. And you know, and and if they're you know dead set against it, then I'm not going to probably change their mind. It's going to be the new generation, these younger guys that are coming up watching MMA. MMA has always been there, and they're like, well, what about this? This is even faster than it. dude. This is faster than football. This is faster than than basketball, MMA, anything else, man. It it is just really. Uh, you know, uh, another level of of, uh, of sport. So, uh, like I said, you know, it, uh, we we want everybody to watch and enjoy it, but it is a uh, you know, it is a grassroots project as of right now. You know, there there is a there is a two on one portion of the fight, right? Uh, I did not. But you, there if, is you want, a two-on-one. If, if you want, you can clarify that for me. Well, essentially, it's uh, and that's and that's actually not something that John McCarthy had a, a gripe against initially. Um, but essentially, what it is is, it, you know, when, when you have a two on the two on two portion of the fight, one guy is uh, taken out, um, you know, or submitted or uh, or you know knocked out, whatnot, and the referee steps in to, to stop it. The fight could be over. You know, the one team can win, but there is also a, you know, an opportunity for it there to be a two on one survival round, meaning you have this whole area that you can run and avoid it. The 10 second uh, on the ground rule is still in effect. So in other words, if, if the guys they have to get the guy down and sub him or, you know, the referees have to be able to step in and, and stop it. You've got three referees in attendance, you know, so, uh, you know, if anything gets hairy, they go in and stop it. But essentially it's it's a an opportunity for the fighter to survive, if he can do that for one minute, it moves on to a two on or a one on one, uh, two minute round, hmm. and then the winner of that will will be decided. You know, whoever wins that round based on mixed martial arts rule will be deemed the winning team. Uh, and we do that, you know, just as a uh, you know a last chance for these fighters. And typically, ninety nine percent of the the competitors that get in that situation, they choose to do it. Every in every instance, whether they've survived or not, and we've had you know quite a few survive it and go on to win. Um, everyone that has done it, they they like it. You know, they they've appreciated the opportunity to be in, to to do it, um, and uh, nobody's gotten hurt. 
you know, it, like it's it's not any more. Uh, they've not achieved, you know, gotten any more damage because again, you know, it, it, it you know the referees are on it close. If something, you know, rough happens, they're going to err on the side of caution. If there is any foul uh, whatsoever, then you know they, they are very very strict on that, you know. But it's essentially the most exciting, you know, portion of of a fight because you see guys that you know can they survive for for a minute and use that strategy. And it's very impressive to see it when they can. So, uh, you know, it's just something that, you know, uh, you didn't mention it. Um, but I know that as soon as that article comes out, people are going to say, well, bjpen.com essentially threw me under the bus right after our last event, because there was a two on one portion. They post it saying that, because you know, essentially, we put a two versus one matchup out there, and that the fight started that way, and that that that's what we were holding. And it's and so I I just assumed that you knew this, mm-hmm. and and so essentially, what happens here is you know, two guys are you know uh, you know they they say that you know people started having a fit and saying that well you know you're putting on two on one matches. I had you know one uh, reporter go to one of the commissioners. Uh, that we're speaking with and say, well, they're putting on two on one matches here. And it's not the case whatsoever. Like I said, it's a, it's a bonus round. It's something that we I brought to every commission that I've ever spoken with. John McCarthy, he, he, he basically said, well, I just think it's unfair because, you know, any really good, um, martial artist, good grappler is going to, you know, two guys are always going to be able to submit the one guy, but in the heat of battle, they're not, you know, and, it, it's not always that way, uh, he, but he didn't say, well, it doesn't seem necessarily any more, you know, super dangerous. It's not something that I would throw out. He just doesn't think, think it would be a viable part of the sport. So, Casey Oxendine, the head of Team MMA Battle, thank you so much.